It's another Vince in the Bay podcast. This episode is an interview with Richard Henderson from Absolute Software. We recorded this interview over the summer in Las Vegas during Black Hat 2017. And Richard spoke with me about cybersecurity stuff and his software-defined radio workshop at DEFCON 25. Enjoy. Richard? Yep. How do you spell your last name? H-E-N-D-E-R-S-O-N. And you pronounce that Henderson? Yep. How else would you pronounce that? Henderson. Have you ever had anybody? Never. Never. And your position? Global security strategist. Correct. Thank you. Global what? Security strategist. At? Uh, Absolute Software. Absolute we are here at Black Hat 2017, and Richard, you are, um, you are here. This is the f- first day of Black Hat? It's, Second day. It's the first day of the show with all the talks and the briefings and the keynote was this morning. But prior to that, over the weekend, um, a lot of people get together and they do trainings, formalized training sessions. Those are pretty amazing pieces of training. They go really deep. They're quite pricey, of course, uh, but they're very advanced, and uh, the best of the best often come for those types of trainings. You see all sorts of really elite security professionals here over the weekend. It's the 20th anniversary of Black Hat and the 25th anniversary of DEF CON, too. There's there's an energy level of of security people here who are just really excited to be in Vegas. Uh, This is my seventh or eighth Black Hat in a row, and Alex Stamos' keynote this morning was really, really sharp. I mean, he spent a lot of time talking about defense and how, as a whole, we're not probably focusing on the defensive side as much as we should. I mean, he made a really salient point that I like to talk about a lot, and that's the fact that, you know, we spend a lot of time thinking about the most advanced threats, the state-sponsored groups, these nation-state groups that are, you know, burning zero days and really, really targeted organizations. But at the end of the day, that's really such an infinitesimal number that the average enterprise organization faces today when it comes to security. So he made a point of saying, look, you know, we should be focusing on uh, on dealing with everything else that, that, that gets inside your network first before you spend all the time worrying about these, these sexy, quote-unquote, you know, uh, APT-style attacks. And he's right, because, look, if you think about, let's go back to WannaCry and pet you, not pet you, or whatever the heck we decided to call it. I don't, I don't know if we ever actually, as a whole, I, I, I refer to it as not, not, not pet you. Not, 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 not pet you. So that's like a double, double, double negative correct okay good I, i'm still working it out in my head whether that's yes or no but you know putting that aside it's, a, it's ransomware that's not really ransomware that's a wiper that's really ransomware but it's not it's really a wiper but it does collect a ransom so but it can't be a ransomware because it's a wiper although it does technically collect ransom so i think it's technically ransomware that reminds me of uh, the girls and boys song by um blur Remember that? Oh, girls who like boys who like... Yeah. Pet you who likes pet you. That is one of my... That's a guilty pleasure right there. Is Britpop? Yeah. Anyways, to go back on on topic, um, I find that um, you look at 
pet you, not pet you, not, 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 mm -hmm. yes, pet you, and WannaCry are perfect examples of where we're not really seeing the forest from the trees. Look, um, we did a, a, a survey at Absolute not too long ago where we, we, um, we um, worked with the Ponemon Institute on uh, endpoint problems. And one of the biggest things that the people who responded, this was 600, 700 people who responded, also the number one problem with their endpoint devices today is literally staying on top of vulnerabilities and patches. WannaCry is a perfect example. I mean, when WannaCry blew up and the NHS like got burned pretty hard and all those machines and hospitals in the UK started to get like fried, everybody's like, oh my goodness, it's hitting all these old XP boxes. There's so much XP out there still. Well, yeah, okay, sure, there's still a lot of XP out there and I understand why, especially in medical. I mean, there's so much legacy hardware and software out there in the medical world that, you know, it's either been a totally abandoned by vendors or, um, you know, the vendor that made the product doesn't exist anymore or to, to tear it all out and replace it with current stuff would cost tens upon tens of millions of dollars. And then you know, hospitals don't have the budget for that type of turnover. So I understand why in environments like that, we continue to see lots of Windows XP. But look, it, it turns out that Afterwards, it, it, apparently, the vast majority of systems that were hit with WannaCry were Windows 7 or higher. Why? Microsoft released that patch eight, nine, ten weeks before WannaCry blew up. If you can't patch a critical vulnerability in eight to ten weeks, you have a lot of, you know, basic strategy problems in your your environment that you're not addressing. Now, as far as the show, um, I haven't had too much time yet to get on the show floor and walk the floor and see all the vendors just because I've been you know, busy with meeting with people and, and speaking at the booth and, and all that stuff. But it just, I'm expecting this week to see a lot of talk around IoT still. IoT is still hot. Um, IoT is so hot right now. It's so so hot. hot. So hot. Red hot. So I'm guessing that beyond IoT, we're going to start to see a lot more discussion around you know, integration of various vendor security tools. Because look, we could have 10 times as many SOC people in the world and it still wouldn't be enough. So what does that mean for enterprises or even mid-sized companies? It means you have to make sure you have semi-automated or automated technologies that make the security products you have in your environment work with the other security products you have in your environment. So all these products need to start playing nice with others. And we're starting to see that happen more and more. A lot of vendors are really starting to you know, get the message that we need to open things up and allow ourselves to integrate with other vendors' products who don't play in the same you know, security uh, vertical that, that they do. And that just makes for stronger products for everybody. Um, I expect to see lots of discussion around that. Orchestration and automation is obviously huge still. And equally as important is the bandwidth is scaling to match. You know, we're seeing 40 gig in environments now. I mean, uh, um, uh, gigabit is everywhere now. I mean, I have gigabit in my house. No problem. I hardwired it in all, in all my place. But you think about, you know, some of that data center bandwidth and then plus bandwidth to the internet now. I mean, there's still lots of places with fiber where you can get gigabits to the home. That's a lot of pipes to make fun of an internet Yeah, term, but right? you know what? The thing with pipes is it doesn't matter how big you make them, 
people want to fill them up with as much crap as possible. I'm equally guilty of that. And um, I would like to decree, if I were so inclined as, say, I don't know, a cyber czar, I would outlaw JavaScript. <laughs> JavaScript would be illegal, as well as Flash. Okay, well, we're... If you can't make a website with HTML and CSS, then you've got to get out of the game. Well, we've taken the first step already. I mean, Adobe's announced the end of life of Flash. What is it, 2020? Thank God, rest in peace. Or not, a, yeah, just it couldn't happen soon enough. I don't think we'll ever lose JavaScript. It's just, there's too much functionality. <sighs> wait till, wait until I'm CyberZar. Okay. We'll see what happens. You got my vote, if that's, if that's, yeah. that, that's what you're campaigning on. Yeah, I, oh, I have, got I have I've got big plans. Cyber boot camps, I want to put people through. Um, so with Absolute, you're a consulting firm? No, uh, so um, many people know Absolute, but not by name. So Absolute is a software company. We provide a product. Um, many people probably remember CompuTrace or LoJack for laptops, uh, IT asset management software, uh, allowing companies to uh, monitor the health of their endpoints, freeze them if they become lost or stolen, uh, get them back. So. Absolute's been around since the 90s. Uh, later this week, I'm teaching a four-hour workshop at DEF CON on uh, software-defined radios. Uh, so I'm a ham. I'm an electronics tinkerer. I love to play and experiment. and I'm really interested in radios and have been for a long time. And what's really cool about this whole software-defined radio stuff is that there's some really amazing bits of software that the community has developed that allows people to get a really easy way into the world of SDR. And what I'm going to teach, uh, a friend of mine who's a reporter at the Calgary Suns joining me because he's big into the radio scanning as well. We're going to teach people taking these little tiny USB sticks that were initially designed in Asia to be able to uh, capture over-the-air digital television. So they don't really work here because it's a different format. But you can take those and using some third-party drivers and some third-party software, you can open those things up and have them scan anywhere from like one kilohertz, and some of the really good ones go up to like six gigahertz. So anything that's flying by in the air, you can pick up with a stick with a good enough antenna, and with the right software, you can decode it and listen to it. So what I'm gonna teach people to do is how to, how to use these sticks to monitor um, you know, FM broadcast, uh, FRS, whatever they, they have flying by them, anything that they might be interested. And then we're gonna go a little deeper, and depending on time, we'll teach people how to decode old school pagers, because there's lots of pager networks out there still. Um, those old, you know, Motorola Start, uh, uh, Poxag is the, the, the protocol, pagers and decode the messages. Um, we're gonna teach people the basics of trunked radio scanning, and for those people who aren't radio nerds like me, trunked radio is basically what the majority of police, fire and ambulance, public safety and radio systems in most major cities use. What that does, is it's kind of like a time-sharing thing for radio, which allows um, multiple, or if not hundreds of radios to use the same small number of frequencies because the average radio is only being used three, four, 5% of the time. That's a lot of dead air to take up channel space. So trunked radio allows people to just frequency, frequency share. So even with a lot of the digital modes out there today that's being used by, by many public safety agencies, you can still decode those using software and be able to listen. You know, if you're into radio scanning, if you just like to twirl the dial and listen to whatever you can pick up. That's what kind of got me started in radio, as I remember I was about 13 and a buddy of mine had a little radio box, some Radio Shack patrolman scanner, 
and we would just turn the dial and listen to shortwave and HF and local pagers. And I remember one time we found an over-the-air voice pager system that was just broadcasting voice messages in the clear. And we were listening to people's private voice pages. This was this was got to be this got to be 30 years ago almost, right? You know, almost 30 years ago. So you know, technology certainly evolved a lot since then. But that got me hooked. The fact that all this stuff is just flying through the air and it's just waiting for you to pull it down and listen to it. So you know, maybe it's a little voyeuristic, but for me, I just enjoy knowing that this stuff is out there and I can listen to it. So I'm going to share some of that knowledge with with the 40 or 50 people that are going to come and join us for the four hours, and we're we're giving each person their own little software to find radio stick to take home. All the software. I'm going to load up a bunch of of local frequency uh, lists, and we'll have them do proof of concept, like scanning on some of the local systems here in Las Vegas. So we're going to be at Caesars for DefCon, so we'll probably load up the Caesars radio network and see what we can hear i'll bring my own radio gear we're gonna we're gonna transmit at in uhf and vhf maybe some hf we haven't decided if we can get like a good setup there yet for hf but and then hopefully they'll take all that knowledge and and take it home with them and be able to monitor the, the 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 radio systems in their own areas where they're where they've come from um and i'll mention the fact that you know ham radio is still you know it's not as relevant as it may have been once a long time ago, but it certainly is useful for people who want to tinker and experiment, especially with RF, because uh, ham radio license gives you a lot of privileges that you don't normally would have, right? So, I mean, you can transmit at a thousand watts of power. That's a lot of power. Once upon a time, we were bouncing signals off the moon and back with five watts just because we wanted to try it to see if we could do it. So I love tinkering with the radios. It's a lot of fun. I obviously don't have as much time as I used to to be able to do that, but I certainly still enjoy doing it. And I'm, I'll am i be honest, um, I am so humbled and flattered that DEF CON selected me and my friend to be able to teach people. I'm so humbled that, that they think I have something worth sharing and something that I can give back to this community that I love dearly. It really really makes you feel good that you have something to offer other people and, and that's what I really love about DEFCON is that there really is something for everybody at DEFCON it doesn't matter whether you're a total noob or you're, you know, you're a grizzled veteran or a hardcore hacker or, um, there really is something there for everybody and I found like the, 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 the feeling of community, the collegiality at DEFCON is unlike anything else in the world um, most people are incredibly friendly and happy to sit down with you if they're doing something interesting. Um, and then beyond that, the vendor village is really off the hook there. I mean, there's so much cool stuff. I was telling my friend here um, that like there's surplus companies that bring like just the most obscure, odd pieces of gadgetry that you'll buy and put in a closet and never use again. But you know, like two years ago, they brought a Cray supercomputer for sale. I'm like, I'm like, I really want to buy it. What am I gonna do with it? It's like, first of all, it weighs like eighty pounds. So how am I gonna get it home? It costs take like, pictures of it and post it on the yeah, internet, like and coffee show table up. or something. Yeah. So, but there's so many cool things. Like, I mean, No Starch Press shows up with tons of great books, and Bill Pollock, who runs No Starch, is just a really cool guy, and he just loves sharing, you know, the stuff that they do there with with the community, um, with book signings and DJing and community capture the flag so if you're just like getting started in ctf i mean i'm no ctf pro i just like to play around i mean there's a big community cdf and you just hang out on these big tables you and like six seven eight of your pals and you just try and capture flags for hours on end it's just a big big party celebrating all that's good with hacker culture and 
Um, I, I'm just so thrilled to be able to, to, to give back this year. Your workshop sounds, sounds great. I love SDR. I'm a ham. I just got into ham radio like two years ago. I don't use it that much, but I like playing around. I'm, I'm kind of, an, I guess, an audiophile. Obviously, I'm doing podcasts and stuff, and I love talk radio. So I, I love all that S, SDR stuff. I noticed that Michael Osman is actually speaking here, or maybe he's putting on a workshop here. Are you familiar with him? No, I'm not. You know uh, HackRF, right? Absolutely. He's the guy that made it. Oh, well, that's on my list of things to take home with me this year. Yeah. Great One. Scott Gadgets makes some amazing He's stuff. He's the guy. Right? He's great Scott. Yeah, that's Scott amazing. Gadgets. I didn't know him by name, but I know the products for sure. Michael uh, Osman. You should check him out. And he just kind of developed that, that tool from scratch. For fun. For fun. Yeah. yeah. So, okay, cool. So really quick before I let you go, if people want to stalk you on Twitter, what's your Twitter account? My Twitter is Rich Sent Me, R-I-C-H-S-E-N-T-M-E, with the at sign, of course, being Twitter. So I'm on Twitter. I love... Uh, interacting with people on Twitter. I just I just have a lot of fun on there. I have a couple hundred followers and a couple hundred people I follow, so um, I'm no you know, major Twitter celebrity by any stretch of the imagination, but you're welcome to follow me. I always follow back, and uh, I'm happy to chat. The website, Absolute. Absolute.com, with an E at the end. Well, I absolutely appreciate you talking with me today, Richard. Well, I enjoyed my time with you, Vince. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Enjoy the rest of your DEF CON and good luck on the workshop. Thanks so much. Thank you for listening to the Vince in the Bay podcast, available on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. Check out more on my bloggity blog at vinceinthebay.com and hit me up on Twitter at Vince in the Bay. Until next time, ciao.